0: Hey guys, welcome back to the 3 Point Threat Podcast. This is Jared Woodcox, your host. I'm excited to be putting on the show today. Uh, shortly, once again, my J Notes colleague, uh, John Kiefer, will be joining me over the phone uh, to talk some Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA. So. For point number one, we're going to kick it off, um, just kind of touching base on the conference finals. We are recording here on Sunday morning, so before game seven between the Cavs and the Celtics. Going to give our final predictions for the game sevens, and maybe even do a little bit of a look ahead to the NBA finals, um, depending on who we think is going to make it. Then for point number two, want to start doing a little bit of a series where we're going to go over um, certain Jazzmen, how they did in 2017-18, what we foresee for them moving forward. going to start with the point guards today, we'll be talking about Ricky Rubio. Dante Exum and Howell Neto, um, that'll be point number two. Then last of all for point three, um, obviously with the NBA draft less than a month away, we want to talk about a few intriguing Jazz prospects. So that'll be the show for today. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome John to the show and get started.
1: Point one.
0: All right, so first order of business here for point number one. Let's welcome John Kiefer to the show who's joining me over the phone. John, how's it going? Going great. How are you? Good. Happy uh, Memorial Day weekend
1: hope you have lots of
0: good plans yeah yeah enjoying some nice summer weather finally so that'll be good yeah so for point one john and i wanted to talk a little bit about the conference finals obviously i know that i at least have been pleasantly surprised with the fact that we're getting two game sevens um after initially it looked like it may be kind of you know a couple of of slow series that they've been anything but they've been a lot of fun um you know i guess walk me through john what have been your initial impressions so far on the conference finals
1: um i just it's been really fun. Like you said, it's nice to have in game sevens, but it's been one of the more intriguing series where both series, it looks like every game is just a blowout yeah. the team that wins. It's not even close. I mean, Golden State Houston had a couple of close games there in the middle, but outside of there, it just seems like the point differential for the winning team, I think in both series is plus 10. So we have a tied three, three series, but the winning team is just blowing them out. Um, But it's fun. Game 7, it's going to be intense. Uh, It's going to be tough. I am favoring the road team in both series, which is odd. I don't know what your your thoughts are, but I'm leaning Golden State Cavaliers again.
0: Yep, I mean, I would say, you know, I'm a little bit more concerned about the Cavs. And again, for our listeners, you know, we're recording this Sunday morning, so before the Cavs-Celtics Game 7. But I'm a little bit more concerned for the Cavs, obviously, just with Kevin Love being out. Uh, but still, I'm not wavering. I mean, this is kind of how I talked about last show that, you know, we saw in that Bucks celtics series how the home team won every game and then came to Game 7 and the Celtics were able to, to you know, come out on top. This time they have a little bit more of a daunting opponent than the Bucks in LeBron James. Um, you know, I think he's going to take it to another level. Uh, he plays extremely well in, in elimination games. Uh, I'm still sticking with the Cavs in that one, even though I'm a little bit more scared for them um, than, than I might have been otherwise.
1: Yeah, and I think the biggest thing for Boston has just been the home-road differential for yep. them throughout not just this series, but the entire
0: playoffs. Yep.
1: Um, I was looking up there, 10-0 and the, at home and only 1-7 on the road,
0: so uh-huh. they've, yet, they've yet to lose home court. Um, and the biggest difference
1: I'm seeing is in their three-point shooting. They shot 38% at home and only 32% on the road, so I think that'll be one of the keys to this game. If it looks like Boston starts off hot from three, it may be difficult for Cleveland to keep up with them at home. Yeah. Um, but they have, Le- they have LeBron James, who's been incredible just out of his mind. Um, I don't know. like I-, I probably take a lot of heat for it because I'm team LeBron. I view him as the greatest player of all time. Um, probably just because I- I've been
0: alive and able to watch it yeah. his whole career. So I lean that
1: way, but if anybody can carry a team to the NBA Finals, it's going to be LeBron James.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, I think part of the Celtics' struggles on the road is, you know, a big part of it is because they're young. Obviously, when you're, when you you know, a young team like that, it's harder to have success on the road. Uh, but like you said, they've been extremely special at home. I've been so shocked to see how well they've come together and played at home. Um, you know, and they, they weren't too young or, or too afraid for the moment in a Game 7 against Milwaukee. Um, But I worry that, you know, with a finals appearance on the line, um, a game seven against LeBron James may be too big of a moment for them. Uh, I guess we'll find out here shortly. Um, You know, the fact of the matter is, though, like LeBron, we know that he's amazing, as you said, and he's going to have to have a special game. But in this instance, I feel like he's just going to have to have a really, really special game with no Kevin Love, um, you know, no real great second option. Um, It's going to be interesting to see and entertaining to see how he comes out and how he carries this team. Yeah,
1: I know we've talked about in the past, but I mean LeBron James has been able to carry this team, but in Game Two he went off for that forty-two point triple double, and they still lost because he didn't get any help. Yeah, well, I think that's going to be key to this game: is can he get without Kevin Love? Can he get any help from his supporting cast? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they they're starting Jeff Green this game. And I don't know, like, if starting Jeff Green is your, like, secret weapon, that doesn't bode very well for
0: yeah. you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, you know, I think George Hill, obviously, is going to need to have a big game. I mean, J.R. Smith's going to have to be, you know, he's going to have to find his shot, obviously. You know, I've been, I'm a homer because I love Larry Nance Jr. Um, as someone that roots for University of Wyoming. Um, you know, I love Larry Nance, but I, I honestly think homerism aside – that he has been a good spark for them now that he's actually back in the rotation. I thought it was a little odd that he fell out and he's had some good moments. Um, you know, he's just a hustler. Um, he'll never stop there. So I don't know. I, you need a lot of those X factor type of guys. And of course, Kyle Corver, a big one I didn't mention, got to got to play well too, but you got to have these X factor guys step up if you're the Cavs. Cause LeBron is going to have to be, you know, obviously the focal focal point and be huge, but these other guys got to do their part too.
1: Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be big for the Cavs to make it. Cause after this year. Boston's going to get Kyrie and Gordon Hayward back. I mean, they're going to be competing for this
0: every single year. For sure. So, I mean, this might be one of the last years Cleveland can get there, especially with LeBron James' free agency on the horizon. So
1: they need to capitalize on it, see if they can get there. And it'll only happen, though, if it's a team effort and if LeBron James can finally get some support.
0: Yeah, so true. Um, switching over to Rockets Warriors, um, I mean, I gotta say, John, I was extremely impressed with the Rockets in Game Four and Game Five. Uh, both those games, you know, they it looked like the Warriors were gonna have them, and the Rockets found a way to grind it out. Um, you know, to take that three-two lead. On the flip side of that, you know, both of those games could have easily gone the Warriors' way, and you know, you could maybe say that hey, the Warriors had a chance to win this in five. Now all of a sudden, we're going to a Game Seven. Um, so we saw in Game Six that. Uh, the Warriors have another level, and when they find it, they're they're pretty much unstoppable, which we all knew. And that's kind of the thing about, you know, why I'm still sticking with the Cavs and the Warriors. I've never really wavered from that, is just because guys like LeBron and guys like, you know, Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, uh, Steph Curry, they have another level they can just reach um, that other guys just can't match. Uh, with the Rockets-Warriors series, just want to say, you know, I think it's such a bummer that Chris Paul got hurt. Obviously, Jazz fans are not a huge fan of Chris Paul, but still, just for the sake of the competition, it sucks that we may not get to see him. I hope he's back for Game 7. And if he's not, I really think the Rockets don't have a chance. I know it's on their home court now, uh, but without Chris Paul, I think they're toast.
1: Yeah, I agree. And from what I've seen reported right now, its I think they
0: said it's more likely that he doesn't play than he does play. Yep, mm-hmm. uh, Which is tough. you want...
1: I mean, yeah, you're right. As a jazz fan, I'm not the biggest Chris Paul fan. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I haven't been for a while. Um, but you like seeing the best possible competition level that you can, and
0: exactly. Chris Paul are just a better team, and you like to see the,
1: the you want to see the best version of each team out there competing for a championship. Exactly. So it will be tough if you can't see him.
0: I mean, on the uh, flip on the flip side of that, just real quick, I'd love to see Godala in as well, and of course the Warriors have been without him, so. I mean, you're going to give and take with injuries, but yeah, it'd be nice to see the best version of both teams out there.
1: Yeah, definitely true. Uh, I think the key for Houston, and this has been – this has probably been my biggest takeaway from this series, is that if Houston can get Golden State to play their style of offense, Houston is the better team. Yeah. (laughs) Or at the very least, it's more evenly matched. Yeah. What I mean by that is it seems like Houston's defense, because they – Uh, They they switch everything, and we saw that when they played the Jazz. They just switch everything, and because of their versatility, they can do that because they can guard every position, Um, and when they do that, they're forcing Golden State to play more one-on-one, more isolation basketball, which is how Houston likes to play on offense, and when they do that, it's just been very evenly matched, but we see these moments where Golden State just clicks, and they get back to playing their offense and their style of play, which is just... A lot of ball movement really off ball screening and creating open shots and when they do that that's when they've gone on these just 20 to 3 runs and they're blowing Houston out so I think that'll be the key for Houston is can they continue to get Golden State to play their style of offense um, and if they do that I, I still think it'll be a close game but if Chris Paul is out I, you have to get Golden State the edge
0: yeah no doubt I do have to say and you just touched on it one thing i got to admit i've been really impressed with houston on is their defense I mean, you remember last year the narrative was all, you know, it was kind of like James Harden was kind of the forefront of it, but all they do is play offense, all they do is like to shoot, 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 and then they don't do anything on the opposite end of the floor. They've totally changed that this year. They have turned into a very good defensive team. You know, guys like P.J. Tucker, guys like, you know, Chris Paul when he's been healthy, um, and, you know, Trevor Ariza played a huge role in that. Even Harden deserves some credit for um, obviously upping his defensive game, but I just have to say I'm really impressed with the defense that they've had in this series so far. Yeah,
1: I mean, if you look at the games they won, game four, game five, uh, they held Golden State to 94 and 92 points.
0: Yeah, that's a huge and accomplishment. They're really clicking in and playing tough on defense. and that, Again,
1: that's going to be the key to this game because you're, they're not going to beat Golden State if it's just a shooting contest. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't beat Golden State when you let them play their game. So Houston can win this game, but it's going to take a lot of focus on the defensive end.
0: Yep, I agree. Well, cool. Well, I think we're both in agreement then, um, John, that, you know, as, as exciting as it's been and as, as fun as it's been, it's it's very likely going to be a Cavs-Warriors rematch in the finals. Um, but interesting to see these next couple days. Um, I honestly think that once we get to that, um, I think whichever team comes out of the West will win. I'll just leave it at that since we don't really know who the teams are that are going to be there. But that's my prediction. The West team, whether it be Golden State or Houston, will be whoever's out of the East. Yeah, I think that's- So, perfect. Well, with that being said, now let's move on to point number two. Point two. All right, so as I mentioned in the intro, John and I want to start going through the Utah Jazz roster and just talking about a few guys each show, uh, kind of recapping what they did this past year and and what we should expect for them moving forward, where they can improve. Uh, Today we wanted to start with some point guards. Going to look principally at Ricky Rubio, Dante Exum, and Howell Neto. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with Ricky Rubio. I'll kick it off real fast here, John. You know, I think the biggest thing with Rubio was how he turned his season around midway through the year. Uh, we know that he started out so slow. And, you know, a lot of people were were mad about even trading for him and wanted him off the team. And then all of a sudden in mid-January, as the team did a reversal, you know, it was really because Ricky Rubio had a reversal as well. Uh, it was awesome to see him eventually go on and have career numbers in points at 13.1. Uh, field goal percentage, 41.8% and three-point percentage, 35.2%. And those numbers don't even really do it justice because when you look at his second half compared to his first half, he got to those you know, so-so averages by being absolutely phenomenal in the second half of the season after starting out slow. So awesome to see Ricky Rubio turn things around and finish so strong.
1: Yeah, really incredible. I think it's, it's one of the better stories in the NBA this year. And I know I, I sent a tweet or two out about it, but I don't think he got enough buzz for most improved player in the NBA,
0: just,
1: he completely turned his career around with the Jazz, and the season, I think that's the biggest thing, is in January, as
0: the trade deadline was nearing, I mean, every day, if you went
1: through Utah Jazz Twitter stuff, there was talk about, what can we get for Ricky Rubio, what type of trade package can we put together to get him off the team, Mm -hmm. Um, and we kept him, and he... Completely proved his worth. Now, I think the biggest question going forward is what's real. And is that second half sustainable over the course of the season? Um, I mean, you brought it up. He, over over the whole season, he set career highs in points, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. But if you just look at the second half of the season, he averaged 16 points and shot 42% from three. So that's probably not sustainable. But what's the middle ground
0: he can fall into? Yeah. And, you know, you brought up most improved player. And, and honestly, if I'm Ricky Rubio, I feel like he should make that a goal for 2018-19. Um, because even, you know, a lot of times people aren't playing super close attention with with um, some of these awards, I guess you could say, with some of the players that are up for it. If he even just ups his his season-long box score uh, to match more what the stats look like, you know, in the, in the second half of last year, people are going to be like, oh, wow, he's really improved from last year to, to this year. I mean, if he he gets that thirteen point one points up to like a sixteen or a seventeen, if he gets his field goal percentage, of three point percentage up, like yeah, that's going to look like a huge improvement. Even though we saw a lot of that at the end of last year, and I think he could very well be considered for that award. And that should be a goal of his is to maybe be one of the you know one of the candidates for that award. Yeah, yeah, I think he could definitely
1: do it. I think the Jazz success is going to be a big part of that as well. If,
0: very if we play really well next year
1: and get a lot of attention, people are going to notice and recognize his play a little bit more than. They did this year because uh, we didn't really play well until the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, but it's good. I, I've changed my narrative. I was one of those who thought that it just wasn't going to work. But now I'm excited for next year because I just think we've seen it in the past. We've seen what the jazz development teams can do. And I expect him to be just a much improved player, even from this year, next year. I think his shootings to be more consistent. I think he's going to be more confident. Um, think he's really really gonna be a good player for us next year
0: yeah I'm with you and I mean I think the biggest things um, that we want to see from him and you've touched on it too is kind of figure out where that middle ground is but more than anything you know if he can really pick up where he left off last year you know the good thing is he's going to come into training camp this year with confidence I would imagine about the most confident he's ever been because he knows what he can do he knows the whole team has his back um, he knows Quinn's system now so that's all gonna help uh, the one thing I would like to see um, is obviously his his assist numbers go back up. You know he was a career low 5.3, and part of that has to do with Quinn Snyder's system. I 100% get that. That you know with a with a with a system that's so focused on sharing the ball and equal opportunity, it's just normal that Ricky Rubio's assists will go down. Uh, but still, I hope we see a bit of a bump there, and he can get a little bit closer to his career numbers. And part of that's not entirely on him either. I mean, we need uh, Rudy Gobert to handle better in the pick and roll, handle and finish the ball better off of uh, Ricky Rubio passes. He needs more shooters. We know the need more shooting. If they add that, I think that'll help Ricky Rubio's assist numbers. So that's not entirely in his control, per se, to be back up to the 9, close to 10 a game that he was in Minnesota. And he doesn't need to be at that many, per se, but I'd like to see a little bit of an uptick there.
1: Yeah, and I think you kind of hit the point that I was thinking is I'd like to see his assist come up, and I think it's going to become just a better chemistry with the bigs on the team. It yeah. really felt like the whole year he and Gobert struggled. Um, and what surprised me is... Rubio, for being known as just this wizard of a passer, it seems like
0: he's not great at throwing the lob, and that's kind of Colbert's best option. Yeah.
1: Um, So I think that's something that they'll have to work on, is maybe just over the summer um, they can develop more chemistry and they can talk more about where do you like the ball, where can I put the ball, and then they can practice on it, and next year will be much better. Um, I, I think what I'm looking for in Rubio is trying to match his playoff numbers he averaged about fourteen points, seven assists a game and yep. last year what was he 5.3 assists
0: yep mm-hmm.
1: uh, i think being just just come up two more just get get a little better with your decision making turn the ball over less and have a better chemistry with those bigs and you brought up the shooters i think that's gonna be the biggest thing is far too often he was kicking the ball out to guys who were getting open shots but just missing yeah and if we have better shooters on the roster i mean his assists are gonna look much better
0: for sure uh, moving on now to Dante Exum. I mean, obviously his year was cut very short. I believe he played in just 14 regular season games. Um, you know, he showed a lot of flashes, as, as we've kind of said about Dante's whole career. He has these flashes, um, but really we need to get to the point where those flashes are more consistency uh, for him to be a, a key member of this team. One encouraging thing, you know, he did shoot 48.3% from the field and the regular season, which was a career high. Um, but you know, I think the biggest thing with him is can he get over these injury hurdles and can he reach his potential? We saw some of that in the playoffs where he had some good games against Houston, you know, defensively more than anything. Um, but just offensively speaking, you know, he's got to get better at finishing. He's got to develop more of a shot. He has just so much more room to grow. It's going to be interesting to see how this offseason treats him.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think Dante is kind of the mystery man. Um, cause we've never really seen him fully healthy for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, outside i mean outside of his rookie year yeah it's been three years we haven't seen him play a whole complete season healthy uh, that was something i noticed during this season is it was good when he came back that he was still aggressive i i really was impressed by his ability to continue attacking and getting to the rim because i mean we've seen it with players before where they get injuries and he dislocated his shoulder um, they come back and then they're timid they're scared to go back into the paint because they don't want to had that same injury reoccurring. Uh, that wasn't the case. It seemed like he really hit the ground running and continued to attack the basket. Um, he, need, he does need to improve. The, the two biggest areas that I want to see from him, especially over this offseason, um, and maybe just playing a whole season will help this in general, and having a whole offseason to practice and not be rehabbing will help him with this. But his decision-making yes. has always frustrated me. The, the biggest thing I noticed is he gets into the pain at will, but then he leaves his feet with like no idea where he's going to pass the ball. Yeah. Uh, he does it far too often. Like he needs to develop. I'm mean, Ricky Roof. was good at this. He needs to develop the, I'm going to drive in and nothing's there. I'm just going to curl right back out. Yep. Uh, he, he needs to learn better decision making. Uh, the other is he needs to be confident in his shot. Um, I don't know if, if you noticed this, but during the summer league and early on in the preseason, he was taking three-point shots and jump shots off the dribble and coming around screens. And, I mean, he wasn't making all of them, but he was taking them and he was confident in them. And when he came back from injury, it it, it just seemed like he didn't want to shoot the ball. Yeah. Unless it was a, lay, unless it was a layup, he didn't want to shoot the ball.
0: Um, and if you look at last year to this year,
1: he played a similar minute per game total. He hovered around 17, 18 minutes a game. Um, but last year, he was shooting 2.3 as a game. This year, it was only 1.3. So I just think it was obvious that he was hesitant to shoot the ball. And if he's going to be in this jazz offense where we generate a lot of those open looks, he's he can't hesitate. He's got to be willing to shoot.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on all that. And another thing I would add to that, John, is he needs to become a better, a better ball handler, um, along with decision making. Sometimes he's also hindered because he gets sloppy with the ball, um, you know. And some of that is decision making, but some of it is just you know getting more comfortable with the ball in his hands. Would like to see that as well. So um, the po- most positive thing about Dante Exum that we all need to remember, though, is that he's only 22 years old. Um, if he's able to stay healthy. Um, We may even see kind of a a Ricky Rubio 2.0 where, you know, maybe he starts out the season as, you know, one sort of player, and then he develops and improves throughout the duration of the year. I could really see that happening, um, assuming he's healthy and gets that opportunity. Um, Any concern about the Jazz retaining him in free agency? Do you think that, you know, there's going to be any issue there, or do you think that pretty much it's a done deal that they're keeping him?
1: I think it's a done deal. I think if the Jazz are... I mean, obviously, the two biggest questions for the Jazz and free agency are going to be Dante Exum and Derek Favors. Yeah, but I think the Jazz are prioritizing Dante Exum over Derek Favors. And in a perfect world, they retain both. But I think if they're going to choose, they're going to keep Dante Exum.
0: Yeah, I almost hope that they kind of go into him and have a heart to heart and pretty much just say, "Look, Dante, we we want you to stay. We're going to take care of you. You know, money wise." Um, this is what we're you know, I don't know all the nitty gritty details there for per se But like I hope they just kind of go in and come to an agreement with him and help him understand that he's going to be better Off with them and sticking with the development program He's been in and all that and they don't even and he doesn't even look to entertain offer sheets I hope that the jazz get him at a price They both feel is fair and we just cut out the drama and keep him I think there's a good chance that could happen, and I hope that's what we see Yeah, me too. I think that'd be great. I think one question mark for me was It seems like Dante and Rudy Gobert have a really good
1: chemistry, and I think that's something the Jazz want to expand on and see how it plays out. Because if if Dante Exum, at 22 years old, like you said, is the future of this franchise, and he and Rudy Gobert have a really good chemistry, I think you want to keep that around.
0: For sure. Especially with, I mean, of course we've loved what Ricky Rubio has done, but after 2018-19, Rubio is a free agent, and there could be some tough decisions there. If Exum has shown that maybe he can step up, then um, maybe you know there's changes at the point guard position. We don't know that. So yeah, I think that's a very good point as well. Um, last of all, let's let's talk real briefly about how will Neto. You know, obviously I love the guy. I mean, I, I mean he's steady as ever. He's always ready to come in. Um, when he's called upon. Had a really tough year injury-wise. I actually did the player review for him on the thejnotes.com and was like, man, this sounds like the worst game of head, shoulders, knees, and toes ever because <laughs> he had injuries all up and down his body. You know, concussions, he had the wrist, he had the ankle. It was just never-ending for Neto, um, but still love how he always remains ready. Uh, surprisingly, he shot 40, 40.4%, 40. excuse me, from three point this year, which was a career high. Um, I mean, obviously that was kind of in limited minutes, small sample size, but good to see him do that. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say about Neto, except for he's just the the consummate pro and he's always ready and, um, fun to see him this year.
1: Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz move on from him Yeah, just because he's your third guard. He's not giving you too much, but I can also see the. The benefits and keeping around a player who just is always ready mm-hmm. and when he does play he's not he's never a negative he's just consistent he's confident he runs the offense he doesn't go outside of his comfort zone he plays his game he sticks with the jazz offense and there's something to be said about just having a steadying presence like that and someone who you know you can fall back on if needed and where we have dante exum when his injury history it is nice having a backup point guard like that or a third point guard like that who probably is going to play if Dante Exum consistently gets hurt. Um, and this is just me. And my wife is well aware of this. He is my man crush. There you He's go.
0: Gorgeous. I think the Jazz need to keep him on the team just for all the ladies out there. I remember... This is like probably
1: revealing too much about myself, but... I, we went to a jazz game a couple months ago. This is during the regular season. And we were sitting next to a couple girls who, I say girls, they were women. They were probably in their 40s. Um, but it was clear they didn't know a ton about basketball. They were just there for like work or something like that. And Neto was at the free throw line. And they zoomed in on his face in the jumbotron. And I leaned over to the woman next to me and I said, don't look in his eyes we'll get lost. So that's
0: hilarious. (laughs) That's hilarious. They probably loved it.
1: (laughs) No, I I really like Kyle Neto. I just, I think my favorite thing about him and the thing that every jazz fan loves about him is when he comes in, he plays his heart out. Every single minute of every single game when he is in the game, he is just all out. And, I mean, you touched on it. He's always hurt, and that's probably why, because he just lays it all out there on the line. And you have to appreciate and welcome a guy like that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, But I also agree with you, John, you know, that obviously with him being a free agent um, this summer as well, and he's not the priority for the Jazz, that's definitely X him in favors. I mean, maybe they find a way that, you know, uh, Neto's their best option and they come to an agreement, uh, but I could see him going elsewhere. Um, I actually would not be surprised to see him end up with the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, with the Igor connection there, um, they could use some more stability at the backup point guard spot. That's something that I could see being actually feasible. Yeah,
1: definitely. I, I think the question always comes down to, if you let him go, who are you replacing him with? Yeah. And how much are they going to cost? Are they going to be more expensive than him or not?
0: Yeah, so. so true. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, You know, speaking of free agency, that's one of the obviously fun things about this summer. Uh, But let's go ahead now and move on to point three. We'll talk about the other exciting thing this summer, uh, which is the NBA draft. Point three. All right, so with the NBA draft now less than a month away, um, you know, pre-draft workouts are are, um, well in motion. We want to talk a little bit about some potential jazz prospects, some that both John and I like. And, you know, John, when I've been looking through mock drafts and things like that, Um, I've been kind of interested to see that a lot of them have the jazz taking, um, you know, guys that are 18, some that are very young, maybe high potential guys, and maybe they will do that. But I honestly think that where the jazz are at right now, they're hoping to add another piece in the draft. That's going to be a major impact, um, pretty soon rather than a long-term project. So I could see them going with, um, guys a little bit older with a little more experience and a few of those that I feel like fit the bill. And I'll just mention these guys real fast, and then I want to turn it over to you to hear your thoughts on on some good targets. But, you know, I think that Cade Bates Diop is one. Um, I think that Dante DiVincenzo is one. Uh, Chandler Hutchison, uh, Landry Shamet from Wichita State, a little bit under the radar, but a great three-point shooter, and he's I think he's 21 years old, um, could be a fit. And then Shake Milton and Jacob Evans are both kind of upperclassmen that I think could have an impact for the Jazz. So there's some just some names I'll throw out of some of the older guys that that may be you know good targets for the Jazz. But I want your thoughts. Who do you think the Jazz should look at? Who are kind of your top prospects in the upcoming draft for them?
1: Uh, Yeah, and I'm on the same boat as you. I think the Jazz are probably focusing on someone who's a little bit older because I mean, when you're in the 20s range of the draft, you can go one of two ways. You can either just – you're a team that already made the playoffs. You already have a good future ahead of you. So you just swing for the fences. You just go for that guy who is 18 years old and has all the potential in the world, kind of like a – Anthony Simmons, the guy who's coming out of high school.
0: Anthony Simons, I believe, yeah. That,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I mean, you could swing for offenses like a guy like that. Or a team like the Jazz, who we made the playoffs, but I still think there's some obvious holes there. And there's room for someone who could step in and contribute right away. And typically, you're going to go with someone a little bit older to fill that type of role. Yeah. Um, I mean, we saw that with Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Donovan Mitchell wasn't a 19-year-old. He was already 21. And by the end of the year... Was he 22 by the end of the year, or is he still 21? I can't remember, but I mean, he, he was a little bit older than your typical rookie. Um, you mentioned some of the names that I've been focusing on. My my number one favorite guy has been Kade Bates-Diop. Um, a lot of people just for short call him KBD, mm-hmm. um, but I really like him. He jumped off the page with his measurables during the combine. He's six eight and a half, and has a seven foot three wingspan. Um, but he's still really pretty athletic and has good mobility uh, from side to side. So when you talk about those guys who could guard the one through four position, um, I mean, maybe even one through five with that seven, three wingspan. I mean, he could fit in the jazz seamlessly there because defensively he has the length to compete right away. Uh, But he also, he averaged 20 points a game, nine rebounds a game, shot 36% for three at Ohio. Um, So he's a guy who really could step in and just play right away. Um, player comp, I, he reminds me a lot of Otto Porter. Someone who would just be really good as a third or fourth option on a team but he can score in a multiple variety of ways. He helps on defense and if you need him to on offense he's probably more of an off-ball type scorer but if you need him to, you can give him the ball and he can create his own shot. And That, that feels like the type of player the Jazz want. Um, a, a big player, I know you're a big fan of this guy but Dante DiVincenzo Villanova, um, I believe you're a big fan of him. I, I read your NBA mock draft compilation piece.
0: It yeah. sounded like you were high on him. Yeah, I am, and I also have some some thoughts on him too, but yeah, you go ahead first.
1: Uh, I just think the big thing with him is he he seems like the ultimate role player. I mean, he's a big, tough guy. He's strong. He's six 6'5". Um, most people viewed him as just a three-point shooter coming out of Villanova, but I think he showed at the draft combine that he can do a lot more than that. He, I, I believe his max vertical leap is like 42 inches. So, I mean, he's crazy athletic, um, but he also is tough. He'll go in there and grab just one-handed rebounds that are so impressive. He had one um, in the five-on-five scrimmage at the Combine. It was just, it, it just showed the type of heart and level of competition he plays with. Yeah. Um, but he's also an incredible shooter. I mean, just a pure shooter. And I think the Jazz getting a player like him, uh, same thing. He could step in right away and contribute as just a really good 3-D type wing. Um, and then my final final guy I want to bring up is Jacob Evans. I really like Jacob Evans III third of Cincinnati. Um, I, he reminds me a lot of Jay Crowder as far as his build. Uh, this guy's just a tank. He's a little smaller though. He's six six, but he's six six with a six nine wingspan, two hundred pounds. And if you look at him, he's just muscles on muscles. Um, but he's just a, a defensive stopper, someone who'd come in. We could throw him at just the best perimeter players in the league, and he could hold his own. But he also showed good potential as a three point shooter. He shot close to forty percent last year. Um, so again, like I, I think the Jazz are going to target a three and D type player. Um, so Dante Jacob Evans, those are kind of the typical three and D players. And if he fell to him, I think Kata Bates, the op would be the ultimate prospect for the jazz.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, I like KBD's three and D potential. Um, you know, apparently he had a, a strong workout with the jazz, despite, you know, at the end of it having, um, I believe it was back spasms and some issues there. Um, I, I like like a guy like shake Milton. I feel like he could be kind of a Swiss army knife, um, of sorts for the jazz. Uh, but going back to DiVincenzo, um, i will i mean you're right john i am i am high on him i really like him i feel like he has the mentality and the scrappiness and kind of that chip on on the shoulder mentality to really fit in perfectly with the jazz um but i will say too i do worry you know that a lot of jazz fans are almost too high on him um there's a lot of hype around him right now among jazz fans and understandably so but i there are some things i'm concerned about him with as well i mean i think that obviously his defense needs to improve big time um I know that a big reason why people like him so much is that you know he um was huge in that NCAA championship game. Um his his name's fun to say, so I think some people kind of just uh, gravitate towards him for that. Um so I guess what I'm saying is I do really like him and I think there's a lot of ways he would fit on this Jazz team. Um but I think that there may be a little bit of a notion among Jazz fans that that he's just the guy when there's a ton of other great prospects like Cade Bates-Diop is awesome. Um you know we you touched on Jacob Evans. Um, I've mentioned Shake Milton briefly. I really think, and I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I think Landry, I think it's Shamit out of uh, Wichita State, could be a really under-the-radar type pickup, and that's the route the Jazz go sometimes. Sometimes they go more under the radar and, and pick up someone that they kind of see as a diamond in the rough. So that's my two cents there. I, I liked Evincenzo, and I'd be really, you know, totally happy if the Jazz picked him, uh, but I'm not like some Jazz fans are like, they're dead set on him being the only, the only one that the Jazz and Dennis Lindsay need to go get, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I... I think there's a lot of options out there. The yeah. thing that's been really difficult with this draft is it's hard to peg where anyone from 12 to 30
1: is going to go right now. It's so true. I mean, I I was looking at it. I, Troy Brown out of Oregon. Um, I know you and your compilation of the mock draft. Somebody had us taking him, right? Yep. I don't remember who it was. I don't remember who. Um, I, I don't remember what outlet had us taking him, but... I have another mock draft from The Ringer, I believe. They have him going size 12. Wow. So, I mean, it's just hard to know, like, what's going to happen right now just because people are all over the place. Like, DiVincenzo, I, I've seen him go as high as 15. I've seen him fall to 30 in some mock drafts. So, it's, it's just hard to know what's going to happen and what's going to fall. Um, I mean, and you can also never rule out the possibility of a trade. I mean, the Jazz have been known to... So true. Up the draft and trade, and if well, I guess we couldn't do that. I was going to say maybe we could look at a Derek Favors trade, but we can't do that until he's
0: signed, huh? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we would and sign maybe him maybe just to s- trade him either. Personally, Yeah, I mean, and,
1: and maybe someone like Alec Burks, like someone who there's not a high potential or chance for us to retain him over the off season. Um, I mean, there's there's potential packages for Dennis Lindsay to pair with that number 21 pick, to look to move up, or to just bring in another established player who we think can help. So, it's going to be a fun time of the year because I just don't think anybody knows what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a really fun draft this year, and I think the aftermath of the draft is Mm going to be cool, too, because like you said, there could be guys in the late 20s even, that, you know, hey, this should have been a guy in the in the lottery, you know what I mean? Because it's just so hard to know, as you mentioned, between 12 and 30. Um, I did look it up real fast. It was one of the, it was the most recent, at least at the time, Sports Illustrated mock draft that had Troy Brown going to the Jazz. So, I mean, pretty reputable there, obviously. Um, and the one thing, real fast, I wanted to touch on one player, and that's Chandler Hutchison. And... <clears throat> Obviously, the kid has so much potential. He, he could be a great player, a great NBA prospect. But I am really, really turned off by this whole shutting down all his workouts and the combine thing uh, for a promise. As, and, uh, you know, there is reports that that promise was by the Chicago Bulls. And to me, that all just has red flag written all over it. Because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seems like a guy with that much talent could go in and potentially raise his stock. If, to him, the Bulls is a, quote, safe landing spot. I mean, to me, that just shouts, hey, I want to play in a big market, and that's that. And I don't know. I I watch a lot of Mountain West basketball, and while Hutchison had some huge games, obviously that 44-point game against San Diego State is a big one, I'm not totally sold on Hutchison. Um, I think there's times where he kind of shrunk from the moment. I feel like there were times where he lacked hustle. I questioned his attitude a little bit. So I guess in short, I think he's an awesome prospect. But I really don't want the Jazz to touch him, even if he's on the board at 21. I know that you and others may disagree with me on that, but I just I'm not as huge on Hutchison as others are.
1: Yeah, I as far as his potential goes, I probably do disagree with you. I really like Hutchison. I gotcha. think he could be just a great player. Um, and maybe it is performances like the 44 point that are kind of swaying me that way. Yeah, because um, if you look at highlights from that game, you just see him scoring and on everywhere on the court. From yeah. Three mid range at the hoop. Like, he just showed that he can score in a variety of ways. And that's what the Jazz need. I mean, they, they need another person who you can give the ball to and say, hey, get us a bucket. Um, and now, I think my biggest worry is because he was in the Mountain West, I mean, maybe the competition isn't as good. So, can he do that at the highest level like he could in the Mountain West? I mean, we've seen players who played in, in I don't want to say lesser leagues, but... Some of those lower end leagues and they look great in those, but then they get to the NBA and they just can't crack it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do think there is something to be said too about just competitiveness. Like, you got to promise that you're going to go in the first round 22,
0: but why not work out for teams ahead of that? Yeah. Why not? I mean, you could go 22, but if you work out and do extremely well for some teams that are in, like, maybe the late
1: lottery. Well, there you go. Like you, you could earn yourself some more money exactly. if you worked out for those teams and, yeah. and blew it out with your uh, great performances. So, yeah. I don't know. It, it was a little weird that he just completely shut it down and said, nope, I got my promise. I'm done. I, I don't know. That That is true. That is a little bit of a turnoff. But yeah. if some of the other guys we've mentioned that we really like, let's say they jump up and are gone by the time the Jazz are up, I don't know. If they took him at 21, I think that would be a great selection.
0: Yeah, no, and that, that's true. I mean, and I guess I should say that, you know, I could be completely wrong. He could come into the NBA and just be a phenomenal player. I guess just some of the that attitude type stuff kind of concerns me a little bit there. But yeah, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, um, lots to like about him. And then as far as him, you know, playing in kind of a, a mid-major conference, you know, maybe he ends up being like a Kawhi Leonard who played at San Diego State. Um, but maybe he goes the route of others that, you know, once they get in the big in the big leagues, they can't really keep up. So it be interesting to see. You know, I think we've touched on a lot of really good prospects there, and I just can't wait for the draft. I'm excited to see, you know, what Dennis Lindsay has up his sleeve, if there's a trade, if we get exactly who we're looking for at 21. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and I've said in the past, the draft
1: is probably one of my favorite times of the whole year. I love the draft. I just think it's such a fun time of the year.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, cool. I think that that's where we'll call it for today, John. Uh, thanks a ton for joining me once again, and uh, excited to keep uh, talking jazz basketball with you in the future.
1: Yeah, it's fun. I love it.
0: For sure. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're following uh, the 3 Point Threat Podcast on Twitter. That handle is at 3 Podcast. Keep up with everything that John and myself and the rest of our crew is riding at thejnotes.com. If you guys have any questions or comments for the show, just hit us up on Twitter or on our individual posts on thejnotes.com, and we'll be sure to address those guys. We'd love to hear your feedback. So until next time, let's go Jazz.